0: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com.
1: Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. And now, time for the classic car show with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber. I'm not hearing that very well.
0: Okay, here we
2: go. righty, good morning, everybody. It's, uh, one more Saturday, and Mr. Weber and Mr. Rinaldo. Mr. Ronaldo's on a tour, and Mr. Weber, I think, is taking care of dogs. I'm not sure, but uh, they came up with these explanations for why they're not at the round table this morning, but we've got our guest host, Mr. James Dunst, from Florida, sitting in with us. He's on the phone with us, and... Uh, James uh, has just celebrated or is about to celebrate his 10th with uh, Bell performance, and uh, we always enjoy James coming on, and today we're going to be talking about you need to put your hearing aids in, or if you're (laughs) young enough not to need them, just uh, clean out your ears, and uh, we're going to be talking about... The interesting sounds of the cars of cars, and this goes back to the very first one, I guess James. welcome to the show by the way
0: well, thank you very much i 'm glad to be here
2: well it's it 's always fun, and we get a we get a new uh, view you might say on the web or on uh, the classic car show when James joins us and uh, today it 's going to be uh about some articles that he 's written over the past and Today, particularly, we're going to talk about sounds and how important. Uh, I know my wife. Uh, if it starts, it's then it's okay. That that's that's the beginning and the uh, if it starts, it's okay. But you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, sometimes you need to. Uh, Now, don't do this in your garage with the garage door closed, obviously, dummy, but uh, sometimes you need to start it first and and just listen, and then sometimes you need to pull into your garage or wherever you park at night and just let it run a minute and listen. And um, what you hear can tell you a whole lot about your car, whether it's a classic car, a brand-new car, a 10-year-old car, whatever it is, but just listening... Can tell you a whole lot about that car. Is that correct, James?
0: That is correct.
2: So this is—that's what we're going to be talking about—is listening to what sounds different from yesterday.
0: Well, these uh, these articles that I had written, I, there was a reason for writing these. Um, at Bell Performance, I received emails literally from all over the world, and uh, with with different car questions. And there seemed to be a, a bunch of them that were pretty common, and I, I kept getting the same ones over and over. So what I decided to do is to write an article on each one uh, to help the consumers uh, identify their issues uh, and maybe save uh, some time you know, going back and forth. But uh, you know, one of the areas, as you said, was the noise, and this is difficult because people describe things differently. What I call a squeak, somebody else may call a rattle. So, and, and I, I go back, uh, when I had my auto repair center last, I had a customer came uh, come in and um, he was talking about a noise. And I spent all day finding that noise and when I finally got it sick, uh, he came in and he said, well, that's not the noise I was talking about. <laughs> so I, I spent the whole day on that, but, uh, what we'll do is we'll talk about engine noises to start with, and uh, there's a simple tool that can be purchased at most uh, auto parts stores. It's a mechanic's stethoscope, and usually there's somewhere between 8 to 12 hours, and this will help you uh, identify where in the engine uh, the, the noise is coming from. And you've got to re- remember safety. Uh, Because when you're probing around with the stethoscope, you want to make sure when the engine's running that you don't put it in the fan belts or somewhere else that's going to hurt you. But one of the the real common questions I get that people say, I I hear this light ticking noise. And this ticking, when you hear a light ticking noise, not a click, but a light, light ticking noise, it usually has something to do with valve guides. Valve guides is the thing that the valve runs up and down in, and when there's wear on that and there's movement from side to side, it makes this, like, clicking sound or ticking sound. And a number of years ago, uh, I was working for Ford Motor Company, and they had brand-new cars that were coming out, V8 engines, and within 5,000 miles, they had all this ticking sound. And uh, it turned out that it was a valve guide problem. And when they researched this, they found out. Well, the engines now with the emission systems they run hotter, and what was happening is the oil that they were using was foaming. Actually, before it actually lubricated the uh, valve guides, so it was starving the valve guides for uh, oil, and there was nothing to see. Have to replace sixteen valve guides in, in a brand new engine that's only five has five thousand miles on it, and. You know, then when we're talking about ticking, you, you hear this clicking noise. Uh, some people, uh, they email me and they say that early in the morning, when I first start the car, I hear this loud clicking and clattering sound, and it goes away right away. Well, when you shut the engine off at night, the oil actually drains down, drains back, and in some cases, the hydraulic grippers, which have oil to activate them, uh, it leaks down, and when you first start it up, until the oil pressure comes up, you may get that clicking sound. That is quite normal, Uh, and uh, nothing needs to be done about that. Uh, Uh, James, that that is. Go ahead.
2: I I just got to ask, and and this has nothing to do per se with... uh, Well, it does, actually. Which is best, the lady describing it or the man describing it?
0: (laughs) You know what? Non-mechanics, it really doesn't matter. Either (laughs) the lady or the man. Uh, because most people don't have a mechanical uh, they don't have the mechanical abilities and, and they describe and that it's funny you should mention that because when these problems come to me on the internet uh, you have people that are non-mechanics describing a problem and in many cases they describe it wrong uh, because of this uh, lack of, and there's nothing wrong with that they're not all mechanics and um, that, that is quite common uh, that the, it gets described wrong, just, just like this guy I mentioned that I spent all day on because mm-hmm. he was describing a noise and when when uh, he came in, uh, he said that wasn't what I was talking about. And uh, that that is quite common.
2: Well, which, which one is uh, generally more dramatic in describing it?
0: Uh, you know, again, I gotta say, you know, a, a guy doesn't want to admit that they don't know a whole lot about cars so they, they, they try they try to go ahead and uh, uh, describe it the best that they can, but I'm going to say that they're both pretty equal. A non-technician or non-mechanic, uh, they usually uh, describe things in, in non-mechanical terms.
2: <laughs> well, it just makes the job it just makes the job more interesting, I guess.
0: You got it. <laughs> uh, and, another area is. When you have these new engines that have overhead uh, camshafts, what they do is they have a timing chain, a really long timing chain, that runs from the uh, camshaft up above all the way down to the crankshaft, which turns it. And in between, because you have all of this slack, they have what they, a hydraulic tensioner. And what that does is when the oil pressure comes up, it works on oil pressure, it has these nylon guides, and it presses those guides against the chain and that's what keeps the slack out of the chain. The problem is those nylon guides eventually wear. And this is a common problem. People will describe it that when the engine's idling, I hear this rattling sound in the front of the engine. And uh, this is where that stethoscope would come in handy because what you can do, and again, you got to be careful, but the front timing cover, when the engine is idling and you're hearing these noises, you can go ahead and touch that timing cover uh, on the top and, and the, you hear the noise really loud that's probably where it is now it takes a few miles for that to happen this doesn't really happen on new cars it's, it's cars that have 70, 80, 90,000 miles on them but those nylon guides actually wear out and then you have the slack in that chain and it, it vibrates back and forth and the fix for that is you have to pull the front of the engine off and you have to replace all those guides
2: and but I, I bet that's I not free that is it I'm sorry? I said, I bet that's not free, is it?
0: No, no, because you have to remove everything that you see in the front of the engine, which is the water pump and timing cover and belts and pulleys and everything else. But it's a common, it's a common complaint that I hear all the time. Hmm. And it's, it's always on uh, engines that have over, overhead camshafts. You know, some, some engines are the older engines that camshaft is in the center of the engine. On the overhead cam, they put the cam up there, you don't have push rods, and uh, the, the cam actually uh, presses down on the, uh, on the valves.
2: Okay, so we're talking about the front end, basically. Um, do you get uh, a mixture or, or a mix or anything like that between the front end and the, and, uh, the back end? The, the, uh, oh, either the transmission or the rear end?
0: Well, when when they're describing transmission noises, the first thing that I ask them, is this a noise that you hear when you're sitting there idling, or do you have to be rolling in order to hear it? And there's several things when you're rolling that that, that you're going to hear that you're not going to hear with it idling. If you had a differential problem, if you had a low a grease in the rear uh, axle and, and there was wear on the ring and pinion, you're going to, when you're accelerating, uh, you're going to hear a kind of a whining noise in the back. When you let off the, the uh, gas, it kind of goes away. And the reason for that is this ring and pinion in that rear end, when you're accelerating, you have pressure on one side of the gear, and when you're coasting, it actually goes to the other side. And the, the wear is usually on that drive side. So that's how you can identify that. And, and another area is wheel bearing. Uh, this gentleman that I told about that I spent all day—he had a wheel bearing that uh, that was really bad. And the wheel bearing makes a growling sound when it's rolling, when the when the wheels are turning. But that's the only time that you're going to hear it.
1: Hmm. And
0: in those cases, it's a matter of replacing the uh, replacing the wheel bearings.
2: Is there anything that uh, is so unique that uh, it's almost built into uh, other than like your? Uh, Sometimes your uh, pads and uh, rotors and all that will give out a special noise that warns you that you've got a problem coming. Um, But is there anything engine-wise that, uh, I don't want to say it's built in, but for lack of better descriptions, that that will give you a warning signal of sorts. And then again, Uh. I guess the other thing is today we've got so much electronics that uh, they do a pretty good job of warning you that you've got a problem coming.
0: Yes, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But you brought up something. You said my front brake rotors and brake pads. On the brake, uh, brake pads, you have uh, wear tabs, and these wear tabs. It's a little metal piece that when the when the uh, uh, pad starts to wear down and that comes in contact with the rotor, you'll hear this kind of a squeaking noise as the wheels are turning. And when you apply the brakes, it goes away. That's an indication that your, your brake pads are wore to the point. Uh, the, uh, where you have the wear indicator that's to let you know that you're, you're coming up to a problem so that, that's kind of what you were asking is there something that lets you know before you have an issue uh, that, that's an area for that but to go back to the engine um, another one that I get all the time and older cars have this problem more than the newer cars uh, you, the, the pain and rattling on acceleration When you have gas that has low octane, and it sounds like a million little guys in there with hammers beating on (laughs) the inside of the engine, Um, we call it pinging or detonation. Uh, And what's happening there is when you're compressing air fuel, uh, it gets hot. Anytime you compress something like that, it gets hot. And it'll reach a point where if the piston is on the upward movement and it's the heat from compression ignites it, it's actually firing against the piston that's moving up. And what that does is it makes that pinging and rattling sound. And that can be very destructive. Uh, I can remember as a kid when that happened, you know, I used to step on the gas and make it sound more. Well, you can actually <laughs> punch holes in the top of a piston. You can bend connecting rods. You can do a lot of damage if that happens. But, but see, now on the newer cars, it's different. When I say newer, We're talking 1981 and newer. They had uh, uh, computers. And in the engine, on the engine, they had what's called a knock sensor. And the knock sensor will pick up noises before you can hear them. And when the computer gets a signal from the knock sensor that there's pinging and rattling, what it does is it retards timing. And it retards it to the point where that stops. And this can happen before you ever hear it. The problem with that is... Uh, The problem with that is when, yeah, I just lost
2: my train of thought. Well, I tell you, think about it while we take a break. We'll be back on the Classic Car Show with James Dunst today on America's Web Radio. We'll be
3: right back. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio.
0: This hour On Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m., join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.
1: And
2: we're back on the classic car show on America's Web Radio. Before we get back with James Dunst talking about sounds, it could be just somebody rattling their head or shaking their head and they hear bolts and nuts flopping around in there. But anyway, I wanted to uh, mention something that you can go to YouTube or to Facebook Go to Facebook Live and uh, follow us, and you can watch and listen to all the past shows that have been archived, or you can go to YouTube and subscribe to America's Web Radio Channel, and uh, again, watch and listen. And I I would like to recommend, I don't do this very often at all, but yesterday, or not yesterday, Thursday morning, 10 o'clock, we had retired Captain Donna Rowan, and she was a Vietnam nurse. And I tell you, I I, I put in a a Twitter the other day after she had been here that I felt like, and this is going to sound crazy, but I never had the feeling of somebody being in the studio with me that um, I I can't describe the feeling. It was like uh, uh, being in the room with truly an angel and... I didn't serve in Nam. I was in the military, but I didn't serve in Nam. And uh, but I can just imagine some of my friends going through that uh, got Purple Hearts, which means they were wounded, and uh, they looked up and saw Donna, and in her white smock or whatever, uh, you know, she just she was just wonderful. And I can imagine in a, in a when you're doing triage and uh, getting someone that's just been wounded and in shock ready to be operated on, Um, what this lady went through, and and how many thousands, not hundreds, but thousands of young men and women that Donna Rowe helped. If um, you have a question about her, you can Google her name, Donna Rowe, R-O-W-E, and find out all about her, and then you can go and watch her on America's Web Radio as we did the interview. It was a wonderful experience for me. And it will be for you as you meet Donna Rowe on America's Web Radio. And we have some secret news coming up about Donna that I'm not at liberty to uh, say anything about it just yet. But we will be making a great announcement before long. So anyway, look up 10 o'clock on Thursday morning, David's Pick, and listen and watch Donna Rowe. You'll enjoy. So, James, uh I'm sitting here and I hear all these things rattling around in my head. Is it just a, Have I just got a loose bolt?
0: <laughs> no. Well, you know, uh, before the break and that, uh, my my brain froze up and I, I forgot where I was at. But uh, we were talking about this knock sensor in the engine, and it, what the computer does is it retards the timing, uh, and that causes the the sound to go away. And, but you lose the power at the same time. This is where it's really critical that, that uh, you look in your owner's menu or, or you look on the, the uh, uh, cover over the gas filler. And if it says premium fuel, uh, what that means is you have a higher compression engine. The higher the compression, the hotter the air fuel mixture gets when it's compressing it because you're compressing it at a higher rate. So if you put a regular gas in an engine that requires premium Uh, You're going to have this pinging or pre-ignition, which the computer is going to correct. And what the computer does then is it keeps trying to put the timing back where it was, and if it picks up that detonation of pinging, it retards it again. And it keeps doing that until the right fuel is in there. So it's it's really important that you use the proper fuel uh, for the vehicle. Uh, One mention on octane, I get that question a lot. Most people don't understand what octane does. Octane has one purpose. It's not something that supercharges fuel. What it does is it prevents that air fuel from igniting before the spark plug does it. So on that upward stroke, when that air fuel is getting hot, it prevents it from igniting. And anything that causes ignition before that is going to cause a loss of power. And, again, you're going to have that pre-ignition or detonation. So, so uh, if, it, if it requires premium, that means you have higher compression engines. That's what you need to use.
2: Hmm. Okay, I I use I don't use premium and I don't have a problem at all. I have a 2018 Explorer and um, it'll eat it, it'll eat a lot of cars alive right quick. It, it's got plenty of power, but
0: well, it, it, you have to go like I said. You have to go to the owner's manual. And usually, usually, either on the dash or on the fuel cover. If it needs premium fuel, it's going to say it right there. So if it doesn't say that, regular gas is fine.
2: Yeah, well. Now I'm going to rush out after the show and open my fuel cap, and uh, uh,
0: and you and you know uh, another area when it's, when a piston gets a carbon buildup on it uh, over time, actually that raises the compression. So you can have you could have a uh, a premium fuel engine that uh, starts to make noise, it starts to ping and rattle because you're getting this carbon buildup, which raises the compression, and that's where products like Dell is selling, they have the ethanol defense makes a Mexico products. That actually does a pretty good job of cleaning that carbon off the top of those pistons. Hmm. But uh, on the next noise uh, that, that you hear is connecting rod noise. Now this is not a good noise. This is something that if you have this problem it's something that's going to have to be done that's usually a major engine work. But what happens is that the uh, bearing shells on the connecting rod that go over on the crankshaft in time, uh, if the oil, cha- is, oil change intervals are not kept up, you get microscopic uh, dirt particles. And eventually, they're wear- they will wear those bearings. Or if you had some kind of a restriction in the oil passage to the uh, bearing. And so th- there's a good way that to uh, check this. With the engine running, uh, what you can do is take that stethoscope that I told you about earlier and uh, go around the top of the engine and, and find the the uh, area that it's loudest and what you can do is you can either disconnect the spark plug wire most of them don't have spark plugs now they have coils on on top you could unplug that coil or you could disconnect the fuel injector on that cylinder
2: unplug that coil and get a real thrill
0: oh yeah (laughs) and if you do that and the noise uh, gets lighter or goes away that's an indication that that's the cylinder that has the problem with the connecting rod because now you no longer have an explosion in the cylinder, which is a, uh, which is uh, putting a, a force on the uh, uh, connecting rod and bearing at the at the shaft. That's a good way to test that. So you can disconnect, like I said, you can either remove a spark plug wire, you can disconnect the coil if you have that type on the top of the spark plug, or you can uh, disconnect the fuel injector to see what happens.
2: You know, the bottom line of this really, I think, is unless you're... Uh james dunce or maybe a steve Ronaldo, or maybe even a jim weber uh but certainly not a david but you know i at least had enough sense that if i heard something out of the ordinary i took it to the shop and i would recommend what we're talking about today and james just went through what you could do and do and do and do but I would venture to say some of the folks that are listening don't even know what the spark, spark plug wires are, and they probably don't know what a thrill they'll get if they happen to touch one or touch the spark plug. At, you know, they'll, uh, they will uh, be needing a sure pad or whatever they're called. Um, anyway, so if you hear something strange and it, you know, what would you say? If it persists more than a couple of days or even... Even as you're driving, take it into a shop. Take it to your dealer. Take it to your local uh, shade tree or whatever you want to do. But take it someplace to, where somebody really knows what they're doing, and they can uh, diagnose it as they're standing there listening to it. Yeah. And and don't try to fix it yourself because you might get hurt. And uh, particularly, you know, we, we started out talking about the, the car stethoscope. Well, you know, God knows if if you're running the engine and you've got that fan going at, at however many RPMs it's going at and you were to happen to touch that fan or get the stethoscope involved with that fan, you could really do some damage to yourself. And uh, we don't, unless you really know what you're doing, Please, just take, listen, listen to what we're saying. Listen to what James says. Don't listen to me, but listen to what James says. And if you hear a particular noise that you haven't heard before, just take it to the shop.
0: You know, one piece of advice that I'll give your listeners, too, if they have a noise like that, take someone out from the shop and show them what noise you're talking about. Because, again, there's so many different noises. And if you if you take a little test ride with the uh, technician or with the service writer, and show them exactly what you're talking about, you have a better chance of getting it fixed. But that connecting rod noise—if you had a problem like that—that's something that needs to be addressed right away, because any continuous uh, continuous driving of that event eventually uh, it's going to cause something to break. So that's something that needs to be dealt with quickly. And usually, that's something that it, it's seen on a higher mileage engine. Uh, the next item is the crankshaft. That's, that's the, the crankshaft that the connecting rods are on. And usually a sound from the, that, when those bearings are warm, you'll, they'll describe it as a thumping noise, a deep thumping noise in the engine. Now, this is not good at all, and I've had cars that actually did that um, when I was a kid. But I, but I bought them that way, I purchased them that way, and it turned out to be crankshafts. But in, in the case of those, uh, in, in something like that, the only thing that could be done is the oil pan would have to be removed and inspection done of the, of the crankshaft itself and the bearings.
2: And, by the way, I'm not an ex- far from an expert on anything, but certainly on this. But. This, uh, we decided to do this show and talk about it not only on modern cars, but this is also true on, on your classic cars. And I know uh, I've been around Steve Ronaldo so long that uh, uh, I've heard many of his stories and tales, and people respect Steve totally. And uh, we'll call him up and say, hey, my Model T or my Model A or my this or my that, started doing this, 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 or this, and uh, describing a, a sound, a noise. And uh, Steve's helped him over the telephone by saying, well, you might want to check your this or your that, and that uh, sounds like you've got an oil problem, or it sounds like you got this, or whatever. And, um, you know, they work together, and, and the people that have classic cars generally are mechanically inclined and do a lot of work on them. They may not want to pull the engine, but they will certainly be able to uh, take it and get, get something repaired. And even uh, even in in Steve's case, I know there have been a couple of times that he's pulled the engine and taken it somewhere instead of trying to do it himself. But all cars, anything that has movement, and that's even true in your body. When those knees start going out, you hear weird noises. And... Uh, You know, no matter what it is, if it's moving, it can wear out and cause problems. And the first thing you look for, the first thing you listen for, is a strange noise. Right or wrong? Right. So, with that being said, what other problems uh, did you write about, James?
0: Oh, well, I I still have more noises here.
2: Okay, we'll go for the noises. We'll stay with the noises.
0: All right, As I know we're probably coming up to a break here in a second. Yes, we are. Uh, but uh, the next one we're going to talk about is called a piston slap. And uh, piston slap, uh, what this sounds like, this happens usually you hear it when the engine is cold. Uh, and I had a Corvette uh, that had aluminum forged pistons in it, and what happens is they, they, after a high mileage, they develop cracks in the lower skirt on the piston. So what you have then is you have a little bit of movement in the piston, and it sounds terrible when you first start the car when it's cold, but when the engine warms up, it goes away, hmm. and that's because that piston expands and it makes up and takes up that space. But it's called a piston flap, and it sounds like a kind of like a hollow bell sound, and like I said, it's noticed when the engine is cold, and it usually takes uh, four or five minutes in that before it's totally gone. Uh, in the case of that, Really, nothing has to be done. I drove that vehicle for a good 100,000 miles that with that before I did anything about it. So it's not a, not a serious thing. And, uh, again, this is more on the classic cars, the older cars uh, that had these aluminum-forged pistons.
2: Well, with, with that, let's take that break, and we'll come back on the Classic Car Show with James Dunst right after this.
1: 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors. And should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport.
3: Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, In this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as Agreed Value. Uh, insurance for your classic car again if you're when you get ready to, to uh, insure your classic classic antique or even your street ride call JC Taylor insurance or visit jctaylor.com. you're
0: listening to America's web radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening
2: and we're back on the classic car with James Dunst talking about noises. So, James, I'm going to turn it right back to you. Well,
0: oh, we're not out of noises yet. We <laughs> uh, we have another one called a piston pin noise. A piston pin is what connects the piston to the connecting rod up at the top. And when you have a problem there, uh, you usually get what's called a you get a double knock because you get a knock when the piston is going up, you get a knock when the piston is going down, and it's it's a double knock, and usually. The reason that a piston pin goes bad like that, uh, like on a V8 engine, the opposing cylinder, there's an oil hole down in the bottom of the uh, connecting rod that squirts oil up onto the piston pin of the opposite cylinder. And if something happens where there's a restriction in that or if the clearance in the, in the crankshaft, the oil clearance uh, gets to be too much, it doesn't get oil. And that's where you end up with a, a piston pin noise. Now, this, again, is a problem that, a lot of the older cars had issues like this. You don't hear too much of that anymore. And the last area, which I hear a lot, is they call up and they say, I have this whining noise under the hood. And there's a whole bunch of things that cause called a whining noise. If you had a power steering pump that's low on fluid, where it's putting air into the fluid, you'll get a whining noise. And it gets louder when you turn the wheel back and forth. Well, that's a real simple thing. You just simply fill it up with power steering fluid, and you might want to check for leaks because of the flow; it went somewhere. Uh, the other thing is you've got idler pulleys that the fan belt runs on. You also have if uh, you have air conditioning, you have a bearing uh, in the uh, clutch in the front. And the way the way that problem is usually described is they'll they'll say, "I hear this growling noise or whining noise, and when I turn the AC on, it goes away." And that's because the compressor clutch locks up and it's no longer turning on the bearing. And in the case of this, and this is where you really got to be careful, again, if you're using that stethoscope, is to be very, very careful that you don't put that, that probe into the fan belt or, or anywhere else. But that kind of that winds up our noises. And uh, back to my advice, I definitely would advise anyone, if they have a noise, take the, the technician out, take the service writer out, and show them the noise that you're talking about. Because so many times it's misunderstood and the wrong things will get repaired, or it won't get repaired at all.
2: And the important thing is take it to the expert that knows what they're looking for. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm certainly not anti-independent um, shops, but uh, if there's any question, you might want to take it to the dealer and let, uh, like you said, let that service rider uh, ride around with you and, and take a listen to it. Uh, that might,
0: well, might save you money
2: in the long run.
0: When you say expert technician, something you need to know. You see these signs that say ASE Automotive Service Excellence, and those signs sometimes can be deceiving because there's eight tests to be a master automobile technician. If you pass one of those tests, that gives you the right to fly that, that uh, banner. And the problem with that is It's the person that may be working on your car with certified brakes, but never certified in engine issues. So you want to make sure that whoever is working on the vehicle is actually qualified and certified to do that. Correct.
2: So, James, um, well, we still have a ways to go. So you got other uh, things, other issues that you Um, wanted to talk about.
0: The second most common question I get has to do with uh, oil consumption. They say my car is using a quart of oil every 1,000 miles. And what you have to keep in mind, oil is there's only two things that happen to oil. It either burns it or it leaks it. So you have to determine which one it is and what's causing it. But on oil consumption, there's three there's three different ways on an engine that consumes oil. One of them is oil that gets by the piston ring and it's coming up in the the, uh, uh, crankcase and it's getting up in the combustion chamber and and burning there. Uh, That's one way. Uh, Valve guides, on the top of each valve on the cylinder, you have a valve seal. And the oil actually, in time, if both seals go bad or if the guide goes bad, the oil will run down the guide. And a quick test for this is when you first start the car in the morning, after it's sat all night long, uh, you start the car up and, and observe the exhaust. And if you see blue smoke, but then it clears up, that's an indication of valve seals. And the reason for that is that oil ran down and it sat on the top of those valves. When you first start it up in the morning, it burns that oil off and you get that momentary blue smoke. And that's an indicator of valve seal problems. And in a case like that, it's a, the, the repair is replacing the valve seals. And that can be done without actually taking the cylinder head off. There are tools that we air the cylinder up to hold the valves up, and uh, there's uh, another tool that you can take the valve spring off and replace the seal. So it's not a matter of removing and replacing the uh, cylinder heads. The the third area, if you have a turbocharged car, uh, turbocharges are actually lubricated by a continuous flow of oil. A turbocharger will turn anywhere from 100 to 200,000 RPM, and there's no bearing that will stand up to that kind of RPM. So what they do is they have a bushing, usually a bronze or brass bushing, and the shaft for the turbocharger, one side's in the exhaust, the other side is in the air intake system. Uh, it floats on that, that uh, layer of oil. But after a while, if you have wear. If you get wear in the uh, shaft, you get wear in these bronze bushings, that shaft will start to wobble. There's an oil seal on each side and if that oil seal, if the the shaft wobbles and the oil starts to run into the intake uh, it's going to put oil directly into the intake manifold. And a quick check for this is you have to remove the uh, air intake pipe that goes from the turbocharger uh, into the uh, intake manifold. If you see oil on that side you got a turbocharger problem. And this is something If you have that problem, you want to address that because eventually a turbocharger is going to come apart. And you don't want to be anywhere near it when it's putting in 100,000 RPM when it comes apart.
2: You know, uh, again, if you see any or, you you know, you notice that your car is smoking or uh, you've got a leak, uh, just don't try to fix it yourself unless you really know what you're doing. Take it to your shop and let them analyze it and uh, go from there. Some of that, uh, oh, let me just ask. Um, in Georgia, we used to have a annual inspection to get your sticker on your car. Today we don't do that. They basically uh, check the uh, pressure on your gas cap and that's about it. And uh, it's not like in the old days that, and uh, the real admissions test, but um, can you pick up or or when they do that light test here, can they pick up on uh, oil burning?
0: The only way that they're going to be able to do that is if they use uh, an exhaust analyzer. I was a, a state inspector for the state inspection system here in Florida. I was a fleet inspector and so i actually did these inspections so i know what they do and they they really they, they're looking more at safety items like tires and brakes they have a brake a machine that you slam on the brakes i want to make sure all four brakes are, are locking up uh, evenly but not much is done with the uh, with the exhaust what they normally look at now is they look at that check engine light which we can talk about that in a minute and if that check engine light is on And even if it's not on, what they do is they check the computer for codes. And if you have codes related to emission controls, they're going to make you fix that before uh, they'll go ahead and pass that vehicle. But I want to go back one other item to mention. The newer cars, I'm talking about cars built in the last five, six, seven years. Some of those cars will actually use oil right from the beginning. And the reason for that, the, the highest friction area in an engine is where the piston rings meet the cylinder walls. So if you can cut down on that that friction, you can actually increase power uh, in the engine. So what they've done is these piston rings actually have tension in them; they hold tight against the cylinder walls. They've reduced the amount of tension in those piston rings, which reduces the overall friction, which en- ends up giving you additional uh, horsepower. So it's not on on uh, it's not normal on normal to. Uh, have somebody say my car is using a a quart of oil in 1,500 miles, the car's brand new. Uh, That can happen. Plus, they're using a lot of lighter oils. You know, we used to use a 10W40. Now they're using a 0W20. So they have these lighter oils get by the rings a whole lot easier than the thicker oil did.
2: Which brings up a, a question, and we've talked about it on some of the past shows, and particularly you and Steve talking about. Synthetic oil as compared to, like you said, the 10W40 or whatever it happens to be.
0: Yeah, synthetic oil. What I know about oils right now, if I live, I'm in Florida, but if I lived up in the Wisconsin where I used to live, where you have the cold start, if you've ever tried to pour, pour 20 white oil out of a can at 15 below zero, you'd understand. It doesn't want to come out very well. And that's why they've gone to a lot of these lighter oils. Uh, so that uh, they they lubricate the uh, the parts quicker, and uh, but I get this question all the time. Uh, they, they normally say that I bought this brand new car. I'm concerned about it. Uh, it's using oil. Use a quart in every 1,500 miles. You know, am I going to have a problem or do I have a problem? No. In most cases, it's normal.
2: Hmm. With that being said, we gotta take our last break on the Classic Car Show and uh we wish our compadres, uh Mr Steve Ronaldo and Mr. James Weber the best wherever and whatever they're up to. And uh look forward to them being back in a couple of weeks and uh may be back next week. I'm not sure. Anyway, we've got James Dunst here. We want to thank him for filling in today, and we'll be back for our last segment right after this.
3: My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance
0: rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you.
1: Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport.
3: Hi, my name is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're when you get ready to to uh, insure your classic, classic antique, or even your street ride, call J.C. Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com.
2: And we're back on the Classic Car Show, and I want to encourage everybody to uh, do us a favor here. We stay on the air and bring you a show that we're the, actually, I understand we're the number one auto show in uh, England, in the U.K., and um, we appreciate that. But, you know, if you get an opportunity to use uh, J.C. Taylor Insurance or Passport Transport or any of our sponsors... That's what keeps us on the air, folks, and bringing you the great shows that we do. And, you know, our great shows, you may say, oh, well, all shows can't be great shows. Well, you know, I don't know who we've talked to today or who James has talked to today, but or will in our archives, because this show will be archived on our website and then sent out to all of the uh, podcast players in the country on Monday and Tuesday, so you'll be able to listen to it from any place on Spotify or iTunes or Podcast Alley or any of them. And uh, again, please tell our sponsors or use our sponsors like J.C. Taylor. If you're needing insurance, when you call J.C. Taylor up to get a quote, whatever, Please tell them that uh, you heard about them on America's Web Radio. And the same way with Passport Transport. If you're needing to uh, transport a classic car or your collection across country, you know Passport. They've been around forever and ever, and I think they had something to do with the ARC. I'm not sure, but uh, they may have been there, except they couldn't get it in their, on their trucks because of the covers that they have on their trucks to protect your cars. But anyway... I think that uh, Passport is is, I know that Passport has been servicing the classic car industry and the car industry in general for years and years. They're out of Missouri and uh, they live by that code and they prove what they can do every day. So please talk to our, when you're looking to get a quote or you're looking to need a car transported talk to Passport Transport and you're needing insurance, talk to J.C. Taylor, and tell them both that uh, you appreciate them sponsoring the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. So with all of that being said, James, back to you.
0: Well, after I collected my thoughts on the synthetic oil, uh, you know, I started to talk about how thick the oil gets in the cold climate. The advantage of synthetic oil is it doesn't have the viscosity change that regular oils do. When we say viscosity, we're talking about the thickness of the oil. So, Knowing what I know now, if I lived back up there in that cold climate, I would definitely be using synthetic oil. The other advantage on synthetics, uh, it doesn't break down as quickly as regular oil. Regular oil is, is organic, and over time it starts to develop acids and and um, other things, and it starts to cause problems. Synthetic oils don't do that, so the life of the oil is much greater. But the last area is is the, the oil leaks. You know, How do we approach an oil leak? And what I usually tell people to do, if you got oil all over the engine, before you really start looking for an oil leak, you can go to your local auto parts store and you buy a product called Gunk. Gunk is you spray it on the engine when it's hot, you let it sit for about 10 minutes, and then you hose it off. And after it's, you run it, it's, everything is dry, uh, then drive the car and you can have a better idea where that oil is coming from. And what, the other thing you can do is get yourself a big piece of cardboard and put it underneath the engine when it sits, and this will give you a good idea of where that oil leak starts. And, you know, I tell, well, this is common sense, what you want to do is if you have oil leaks, and let's say you have a valve cover that's up on top, you may have multiple leaks, but what you want to do is you want to fix your highest oil leak first because the oil runs down and it makes it look like it's coming from other places. So you need to, you need to, to uh, fix that higher leak. And another area that most people probably don't even realize this is that an oil leak can affect the way the vehicle runs. And the reason for that is you have an oxygen sensor, or maybe two of them, in the back of the exhaust uh, manifold. And if you have an oil leak, the engines usually slant it to the back. And if you have an oil leak there, the oil leak will drip down on the exhaust and you'll have smoke in that area. An oxygen sensor is what the computer uses to determine what the air-fuel ratio is, and it's programmed to keep a certain air-fuel ratio. But the oxygen sensor, in order for it to work, it has to sample oxygen inside the uh, exhaust and also oxygen on the outside. It has to see the difference. And if you have oil smoke there... It's not getting the oxygen signal from the outside. So it'll send, you know, they say with computers, garbage in, garbage out. And that's exactly what will happen. Your computer will not be doing the right thing, and uh, it will not be running right, or you'll be using uh, excessive fuel. And the last area that I wanted to mention, this, I get this, this question a lot. On the newer cars, you have a check engine light. And that is so misunderstood. Uh, people, when they see that light come on, they panic. They think that, oh, my engine's going to blow up or I've got a serious problem. You may or you may not. Uh, there are, the computer has the ability to diagnose problems in a whole bunch of systems. And when it sees a problem in one of these systems, and that could be ignition or it could be a emission system, what it does is it'll actually set a code in the computer that the technician uses to diagnose the problem. And there's two kinds of of lights that you look at. A light that comes on and stays on, those are the best ones, because that's what's called a heart fault. That means the problem's there right now. And then the light comes on, and it goes back out. And at that point, you're assuming that everything is fine. But the light comes on and goes out, means you had an intermittent problem. At some point, you had something happen. And what the computer did was it set a code, but then then the light went off. And what you have to do there is you have to... uh, have somebody read the codes and see most of your auto parts stores they'll actually read those codes for you for free and it's the first thing that you need to do it's the one thing that i have to tell people all the time when they email me is i need those codes in order to help you because the code what the code is and what the description is based on what the consumer tells me it allows me to go ahead and and come up with a probable diagnosis And, and another thing to look at if the light comes on but you don't notice any difference in the way the vehicle is running. Uh, most likely, you're, you're fine. That's usually an emission system part. But if the light comes on and the engine's not running right, let's say it's missing, this is bad because on these new cars with catalytic converters, uh, if you have a miss on a cylinder, the fuel continually runs into that cylinder and, and then it ends up in the catalytic converter where it catches fire. And this can cause a problem with the converter. It can melt the converter down. It can plug it up. Uh, I've seen them where they glow red. And the, the problem with that, you can set fire to things. Uh, if you're parked over some dry grass or something, you can actually set that on fire.
2: Oh, yeah, and there's nothing uh, like getting one of those plastic trash bags glued to your...
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah. How true that is. How true that is.
2: Anyway, let me ask you something, James. As you were talking, I've never gotten to ask anyone as knowledgeable as you this question, so I'll ask you right quick. Are codes standardized, or does Toyota have one for one thing and Lexus for another thing and Kia's for another thing?
0: That is a great question, because that's the way that it used to be. In 1996, they adopted a standard called OBD-2. This is where all the manufacturers got together so that all the codes meant the same thing. And this simplified not only the diagnosing, but it simplified the equipment that you needed to read the codes. Because in the past, I had different testers for each car line, and now you only need to have one. That, that is a that is a great question. It was called OBD-2, and it started in 1996.
1: Well.
2: I did something worthwhile.
0: And you sure did.
2: (laughs) Anyway, this has been fascinating to me, and I hope fascinating to a lot of other folks that uh, have been listening in and will listen on YouTube or on Facebook and uh, be able... And on... Oh, you know, it'll be archived on uh, Tuesday, and uh, you'll be able to listen to it uh, Tuesday afternoon on any of the podcast players and if you happen to be using a podcast player that we're not on please please let us know and we'll be on it within a few days um as far as we know we're on we know we're on all of the most popular podcast players and um if we're on if we're not on one that you happen to use that you like uh we'll be glad to get on it and uh we're heard literally now around the world and as I said I want to always give a shout out to uh, our brothers in uh, England that have made us the number one car show in England and we appreciate it in London and uh, it's uh it's just fun you know James we yeah. we did a show on uh, Thursday and we do a show on Thursday that that's called let's Let's talk Venezuelan. And uh, they have more fun than a barrel of monkeys. And uh, it's just a fun show. And we're going to be starting another show uh, very shortly that um, I think we're going to have everybody uh, participating in. And I think it will be a show that will... It'll just be a fun, fun show. And we'll have some car things involved in it. We'll have just all sorts of different things involved in it and uh, james you and i'll be talking about this show coming up sure. and uh, we'll have sure. you as a guest on it one of these days and uh, so with that being said i want to thank you again for uh, i guess a, a good word would be and not everybody knows what this means but taking up the slack
0: yep let me uh, let me get just give a little shout out on bell performance sure uh, Everything that I've said today, uh, we have a website, it's called bellperformance.net uh, and if you go to that, there's a bar that says consumer services. If you click on that and you type in your, your problem, most likely you're going to find an article because there's a whole bunch of different articles on there. And uh, Bell has a good line of, of diesel products so we can solve any diesel problem that they have, any fuel problem, ethanol issue that they have. But all of that information is on that website. At the end of the articles there's a place where you can ask questions, and in most cases, I will answer that question. I I monitor those every day. But it's bellperformance.net.
2: And uh, go to it, folks, and be able to talk to uh, or chat back and forth with our expert, James Dunst. And, again, we thank you for listening in to the Classic Car Show, and we want you to have a great Saturday. And uh, we've got great programming on Sunday, so... Stay tuned, and uh, we will be talking to you next week. Thank you for listening.
1: You're listening to America's Web Radio on the
0: AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.